what what's the deal with the tiny chef why bomb just like what what i i don't understand what is i i i don't know what the tiny chef is i guess i you've told me before that it's a thing but i uh i have yet to explore what this thing is well i mean it's um so i i kind of explain to, so um it kind of started uh, well uh, where to begin, man? And on that um, note, let's intro the show. <laughs> welcome, to, <laughs> welcome, yeah, to, welcome to What the Fork. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. Uh, you know, I figured that um, you were you were you seemed to be at a loss for words as to how to explain the little chef to me. So I figured I'd come in with the uh, with the open. Well, but. It, 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 I, I, I kind of have a personal connection with this, but not really. Like, um, cause I know one, I kind of know one of the animators. Um, I, I've only, I know them social media wise because when I was really, really, really into running, I watched this documentary about the hood to coast race. And, um, one of the people who they followed, her name is Rachel Larson, who works for Lakia, uh, um, the, the company who did Coraline and um, um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Okay, and, sure. Yeah, um, and um, those movies. Um, and I've We've been like Facebook friends for kind of like a decade now, but like I've been kind of following things that she's been doing. And a few years ago, I encountered like this green chef, like that makes vegan food and bottle caps. And I think the thing I just dig about it is just the sheer joy that he, and he takes in everything, like whether it be making pie or a cat, having fun with a cat, or talking with Jackie Tone and Kristen Bell. Um, shout out to Kristen Bell, um, <laughs> our, uh, our our Eleanor. Um, and I was just and I, I just really like people. Like I, it just seemed very organic how it was made. And I, I'm really excited that I think in like the next year or so they're going to have their own show, um, so that maybe my kids will want to watch it. Um, um, they're interested. In, so for Father's Day, or on Father's Day, they were selling these plush dolls, which I put on my Instagram um, last night. Um, and Kristen bought one for me because I get geeked out over, you know, I get geeked out whenever there's a new Tiny Chef video. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just like the stop motion animation, vegan chef, and just kind of takes everyone on a journey. And I, I just get off on, I, I, I just like the fact that 
this character is just unabashedly positive about everything. And God damn it, Jared, that's what we need in the world today. <laughs> Tiny plush toys? No. I have, you know, unfiltered joy. Unfiltered joy. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I mean, this week he came out with a book, and Kristen Bell got RuPaul to narrate it. That's cool. Like, yeah, I'm, and I don't know. I just i i find his, I find this um, I find this character's joy contagious, and um, it makes me smile and. This dark, dark, dark world, which just well, gets darker. Maybe I should check that out because um, I, I, I think that unfiltered joy is kind of a lofty goal. I, I would settle for filtered joy, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I get the feeling you're going to hate it because um, there's like, I don't know, for one, he mumbles and I, I just... You you think I'm gonna hate it because I'm a cynical bastard? Yeah, I, that's exactly it. You can't. That's I, exactly. We're we're you know our relationship is solid enough that that I can take you calling me a cynical bastard. Don't sugarcoat yeah. it. No, you're gonna hate it because you're a cynical bastard. I am the doctor. I am the JD to your Doctor Cox. Oh boy, really? Yeah. Huh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. That's a pretty apt description, though. It's not like, because we're not Turk and JD. Mm-hmm. Somehow, no, we're not. somehow, <laughs> in this dynamic where you are several years older than I am, I've become the old, cynical, <laughs> jaded, um, <laughs> You know, uh, acerbic, uh, you know, fellow, and 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 you're you're somehow the the uh, young up and coming optimistic fellow. You know, I you know. Let me rephrase that. And um, when I make this comparison, I, I'm going to say it more as a as a character and not a physical description. I am the Turk to your Doctor Cox, where. I can JD never would never insult Harry, um, as I do often with you. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. Turk. <laughs> so, okay, I I, I could I, I could say that too. I think that's more description. Yeah, because I am I'm prone to I am prone to um, um, bouts of um, you know depression and um, also but also whimsy. Um, the only difference probably between two differences between me and Turk would be, of course, my outward appearance. Um, and also, um, I have two testicles. <laughs> yeah. But damn it, they respect each other. Not my testicles. <laughs> 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 yeah I don't know maybe your testicles do respect each other uh, I, I don't know your testicles so <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, the, they 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 do indeed. The characters respect each other. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess that's probably that's probably the most apt description. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's great. Now now I'm off in my own like making comparisons well, uh, between you know how I handle things and how Dr. Cox handles things. And the more I yeah, look at I, it, I the the mm-hmm. more uh parallels there are. Yep. You're both very verbose, um quick-witted, um and you know, cynical and super um, muscular. No, that's Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do you think I get tickets to this gun show every week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, and and I got to tell you, the tickets aren't uh, aren't costly. Um, <laughs> it's like a raffle prize, um, or two for one, or something. Uh, anyway, that's so. Where can they find you? Uh, let's yeah, let's welcome. finish the business. Oi. Uh, um, well, I don't know where to find you. Um, well, they can find us at whattheforkpod at gmail.com. Um, please write with your suggestions um, for how we can make this show better. Um, be constructive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find Mr. Duran, a.k.a. The Gun Show, <laughs> um, at LDD underscore engagement on the Twitters. Um, drop the underscore like it's hot for the instas. Um, and please rate, review, um, donate, um, whatever you can do. Um, but um, definitely um, give us five stars because um, we sometimes um, we sometimes need the validation. Yeah, that's true. As as most of my favorite podcasts say, you can write whatever the hell review you want. Just rate us five stars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, write five stars and tell us what horrible humans we are. Sure. What do I care? There's yeah. Nobody's opinion of me can be lower than my own. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and and, and, oh, and for you, sir? Yeah. Uh, uh, there we go. I, I will... <laughs> You can find Jason at Jason E. Kyle. Talk about me for, talk about me for a minute. <laughs> I will. You could uh, find Jason at Jason E. Kyle on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and in your newsstands, too. He has a, a article out in the most recent issue of Phoenix Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's a hardworking son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm a son of a bitch. That's for sure. Hard working, that's debatable. But I'll take the, uh, I'll definitely take the uh, son of a bitch. Um, yeah, this uh, on newsstands as of today, or recording on Thursday, uh, I interviewed uh, author, uh, podcaster, and guest of um, What the Fork, Nora McInerney, uh, on all the above podcasting and Mark Marin and <laughs> all the other good things. I was trying to get Susu on mic, but I don't think, I don't think she wants um, on. Yeah. She decided the other um, night that, uh, having one, uh, injured leg wasn't enough. 
and that mm-hmm. she was going to go ahead and injure the other one by, um, you know, doing her late night cat craziest thing and pouncing on my uh, on my right leg, uh, and and uh, you know taking off after having dug her claws in. So that was fun. That's, that would be uh, like um, that would be some. Uh, you would definitely be in a wheelchair. You'd be like the. Um, You'd be like the woman, the um, standards lady in Scrooge. <laughs> Dude, that is one of my favorite. It might be my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I think, I mean, and my in-laws, and rightfully so, are all about the Christmas vacation. Um, I, I That's do a great that one. Movie. Yeah. Um, though I could recite it here word for word um, if I wanted to. And I did a Christmas story as well, but uh, there's just Bill Murray. Like this script is just, the script is just, it's so dry that it could be like, you could light it up and it'd be kindling for the, for burning the Christmas tree. um, When it's done, (laughs) it's just, yeah. It's um and it's got Bobcat Goldthwait in. Um like just uh Karen it, Allen. I it's, just that's probably I love it my, so much. That's probably my top three is Scrooged, uh yeah. a Christmas story and uh and Christmas vacation. Um, um but yeah, I mean I don't think we're just gonna talk about let's just talk about Christmas movies. It's coming up. Uh, no, that's I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. That's you know that's three, three months on down the road. Um, who knows? Who knows? Honestly, you know we we might want to save that because uh, depending on you know November's results, who knows if there will be a Christmas? Uh, you know, it's dude. Like the way it's going, like I mean, we're still choking on dust and still red you know these guys are still red man it's well yeah. i mean so basically but like, let me ask you something do you watch um by chance do you watch the david lynch weather report i do not okay i didn't know this so, existed actually okay so i'll i'll bring you up to speed um so every day for about a minute david lynch sits in his house i like it looks like a bunker dressed in the same outfit, a bun up to the neck, a black shirt, no tie, and gives a weather report um, and, and for L.A. Um, and he says very David Lynchy things like beautiful blue skies and sunshine all the way. Um, he's been watching it pretty much every day since the pandemic happened. And it brings me a large amount of joy. Is it unfiltered joy? Much, what's that? Is it unfiltered? Yes, it is. It's it's another one of these things, like the tiny chef, that just I, I enjoy on a daily basis, and it brings me it brings me some happiness. So, um, but for the last few weeks, every once in a while, he kind of gets. Um, 
he's been kind of doing some uh, inserting some messages in. Some are so uh, like this is the time we should be looking for the donut and not the hole. Um, others not so so like he pretty much made like when the protests were happening a few months ago he pretty much made an overt political statement which if you've ever seen a David Lynch movie the man does not make political statements <laughs> um, so and he for the last two weeks he's just been talking about the firefighters talking about the smoke in LA um it's just been, it's just weird. Like it's even David Lynch is sort of getting worn down by this. And I have a feeling that he knows that the world is going to end. I mean, what he's been predicting for about 40, 50 years now, is finally coming to pass. <laughs> well, so, I mean, but can you blame anyone for, Funny, for thinking that though? You've got, you've got the fires, you've got, mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the floods. Um, mm-hmm. You've got uh, you know disease um, in the form of a virus. You you know mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it, it's 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 happening. It's all there. Yeah. You, you could read into it. There's, you know this the sky is on fire. The um, yep. you know. Uh, pieces of of glacier are breaking off left and right uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's all uh doom I, i'm just gonna come out and say it. it's all doom yeah. we're fucked uh you know smoke him if you got him uh you know i all that was foretold in the first mummy movie starring brandon frazier is now coming to pass <laughs> and pretty soon frogs are gonna fall from the sky Dogs and cats are going to live together. It's going to be mass hysteria, dude. Well, and so, so now, now you're now you're getting into more Bill Murray territory with uh, <laughs> Groundhog Day. Since you wouldn't let me do my Christmas, you know, my I, 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 you know, okay, let's let's pull this out of a steep dive because I got to tell you the my mindset lately with uh, you know being stuck and not able to like go do anything really has has just taken my head you know completely out of any positive space so like mm-hmm. i i couldn't I, I i showed you i got this this huge like boot thing to to wear yeah. to uh get around in that which well i mean i can kind of get around but it's very slow going last night I, I I couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to go for a walk. And honestly, by the time I got down the stairs and over to the mailbox, I was like, yeah, I can't do a walk in this thing. It's, it's just too fucking much. So I hobbled my ass back up the stairs and that was it. It's, um, yeah. I've been down your stairs. They're not, I don't see it happening. Yeah. It's, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're talking to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting rough. I, I am, uh, I'm not going to lie about it. Not going to sugarcoat it. So I don't know. Um, I'm trying to find 
uh, well, and then so on top of that, because I'm not able to go exercise, I've also been uh, and feeling particularly sedentary. I can't go on my normal run or anything and, and kind of get that, that uh, whatever serotonin, adrenaline, whatever the fuck it is, get that going. Uh, it's also turned into, um, you know, feel super sorry for myself and then also like bad about my, uh, you know, I already have issues with, um, uh, like body dysmorphia. And so now it's just amplified. Um, so I, I I don't know. Um, but anyway, let's, let's talk about, uh, about Christmas movies. So back to Scrooged. We've got, you've got your Bill Murray, you've got Mm -hmm. your, your Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, in, in like peak Bobcat mode. Um, Mm -hmm. and you've got, uh, as you mentioned, Karen Allen, you've got, uh, also, uh, Carol Kane, um, as, uh, Buster Poindexter. Yep. Uh, Robert Mitchum, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, and the solid gold dancers. Yes. And the solid gold dancers. That's right. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, has there been a better retelling of a classic story like that in a, in a, you know, like a modernized version? I mean, they tell me that the Muppets Christmas Carol is pretty good, but well, but that's not uh, modernized. You no, know, I mean, to take a classic Muppets- story like that and put it in a contemporary setting, that's not. I, I don't think there there's been uh, that there has been a. a, a, a can, you, um, can you prove that Muppets were around in Dickensian times? Well, okay. Despite the Muppet presence, it is. It's a period Muppet piece <laughs> or a Muppet period piece. However you want to order those two words. <laughs> um, anyway, I, um, but it does have Michael Caine. Yeah, it does have Michael Caine. Um, I know people love it. Um, and maybe it's because so here's the thing that I going to Christmas movies here's the thing I don't kind of um, maybe it's because of my age but I find that the Utes to once again refer to my cousin Vinny <laughs> really again. really love Home Alone like they'll put and that's fine it's a good it was funny um but that's their Christmas story. That's their Christmas vacation is Macaulay Culkin. Um, Do you think that that's for people like slightly younger than us? Cause I, I remember, you know, I, I thought home alone was okay. I mean, I do, I do. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern getting the crap beat out of them, uh, in comical ways. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't manage to top the others for me. Well, no, but I just find that um, those of a generation past, when they post their memes of the 
movie that the um the memes of and keeps the change a filthy animal uh, yeah that um, um people like home alone on a different level than you and i mm. and that's okay that's um i just don't get it like the fact that i also don't understand why hocus pocus is beloved you know i've never seen it <laughs> i would um I would love to tell you that you're not missing anything. Um, I know there's like a whole cult cult of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. So there's but we'll lose we'll lose listeners if I say anything bad about it. Well, that's fine. So I I don't have anything against it. I mean, uh, I don't either. I just don't understand why why people love it when. What year um, did that come out? I think around the same time as Home Alone. I think it was the early nineties. Let's let's find this out here. Um Hocus Pocus. Oh, ninety three. Yeah, so it's about a year or two after. Yeah, I and I just for the life of me do not understand I just don't understand why it's so beloved. But then I'm an old man now. So uh, well, and I'll let's. Do, okay, well, yeah, 1990 for Home Alone. This is interesting, yeah. man. This is fucking interesting. So, I was. I would have been, uh, you know, turning 10 at the end of 90 and turning 13 at the end of 93. So, you'd mm-hmm. think, you know, that those. Uh, you know, I guess, I don't know. By the time Hocus Pocus came out, I was already. Um, you know, like, well, yeah, that, that was, that was, you know, right around the, the mid nineties was the time when I was reading, uh, Kerouac and Marx and, uh, dressing all in black, uh, yeah. and, uh, and into the cure a lot. Uh, I was not, um, I was, I was definitely, uh, my, my two guys at that point were definitely Elvis Costello and, uh, and Springsteen. Um, so as you, I mean, as you can imagine, I was wildly popular heading into high school, yeah. uh, with tastes like that high school in the, well, the in the mid nineties. Well, the theater chick should have been all over you. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, if, if, uh, if there was a wall for me to blend into, I would find it. Um, I, yeah, I, I kept my head down. I used to, I used to, uh, uh, I was somebody who would read while I was walking. Like I would actually be uh, like going from class to class or walking home from the bus stop or whatever. And I would just have my, my face in a book. Oh, with the pork pie hat. Uh, No, no, no hats at that point. Uh, I I had a pretty wild Jufro. Um, So if that that completes the picture. (laughs) Was there a trench coat? No, no trench coat. Okay. Did you wear corduroy pants at any point? No, I, I stayed a, a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. I did have a lot of flannel shirts. Um, okay. And, and of course, uh, uh, black uh, Chuck Taylors. Yeah. I'm trying to... Uh, um, I had a um, had teacher when I was in film school. 
This is when I was still like in high school where they have production course that they offered. Um, but we had to like go to another school to go to it. My the main teacher was the DP, the director of photography for Roger and me, or just Sam Raimi, Bill oh. Campbell, like his first like assistant. Um because you know Michigan filmmakers, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, his assistant at the time that I was there um, uh, had uh, had a Jufro, <laughs> um, to use your description, um, talked a lot about Kerouac. Has nose in his book when he wasn't teaching, but he always wore corduroy pants <laughs> and turtlenecks. <laughs> Uh yeah I I had turtle I had some turtlenecks when I was younger there's a there's a great uh, I think it's my it might be my kindergarten or first grade I, I think it, maybe it's my first grade uh, class picture um is uh, is of 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 a uh, is of course of, of a very miniaturized me uh, with with giant like almost um, like uh, oh um. Uh, John Turturro and uh, Barton Fink, Barton Fink type, uh, uh, you know, massive Jufro um, and a white turtleneck. Um, were you, and were you shouting, were you going to dances and shouting at people about how you're, you use your brain and you're the smartest guy in the room? <laughs> You know, I, I, use I, this. <laughs> I, I didn't have glasses. I didn't get glasses until um, it was probably, I guess, middle school, mm-hmm. seventh or eighth grade, somewhere around there. I got glasses, and that completed the look. Uh, I needed them sooner, but I, uh, I, I, I was determined, uh, I guess, not to get them because I, I would sit in the back of the class and then not be able to see anything that was up on the board. Um, but yeah, I, I finally was. I finally had to get them. Um, yeah, so that uh, that obviously paints a picture of me as the as the cool one out of the two of us. <laughs> How many times did you go to coffee houses? Were you there every day? Um, I would definitely be there in uh, in high school. Yeah, I would go, especially like junior senior year. Um, and then for, for a little bit afterwards, but yeah. what, what, um, and, and of course I, I, I smoked starting at, yeah. uh, Did you have a I guess 17, 18, I started smoking for a little bit. Did you have a notebook? Of course. Yeah. 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 Everywhere. A notebook. Pen, whatever book I was reading at the time. Yep. Yep. So, um, cool. But, uh, I don't know. I I don't even know how we got down that road. Oh, I remember why I was going down that road. It was because this is actually, it makes sense to me that, um, you know, so so we'll track this. Uh, I definitely 
liked to be much more grown up when I was younger. I think mm-hmm. I've gone slightly in reverse. I've actually uh, gotten a little more, um, let's say, a little less uptight uh, as I got as I've gotten older. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> what are you saying? What? You've got what you've gone less uptight, less uptight. Yeah, I'm much more easygoing now. Much more, uh, I take, uh, I, I take much more, um, you know, joy in, in, uh, like the wonder of things and, uh, and like I, you know, I have toys and shit. I have more toys now than I ever did, uh, like when I was, yeah, when I was a teenager or, or like uh, preteen. Okay, so because the geeks have won, because the nerds won, you feel more. You found your tribe. Well, okay, so let's let's say this because I will have you know that I was one of those people who was watching Star Trek: The Next Generation when it first came out. I, I was right, definitely right. I was definitely a nerd kid. I definitely read tons of science fiction. Um, you know, I, I was never quite a comic book nerd or a video game nerd or anything like that. But you know, I was I was you know definitely definitely a nerd. So um, I think um, I hate to tell you, but you still are. Oh yeah, no, but I it's yeah. I re-embraced it. Like I tried to, okay. I tried to be like a serious musician, poet type, uh, when I was entering my teens and like, uh, you know, be like all, uh, intellectual and, uh, you know, super serious type. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't you know. Were, you were Paul Rudd and Clueless. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Am I wrong? No. You get the dis and and you understand the reference? Yeah. Okay. Because um I would argue um I would argue that now, um, to paraphrase um Matthew Broderick in the classic film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um if I were if someone were to put a lump of coal up your ass a week later you would have a diamond (laughs) (laughs) well i mean the point of that was you know we're talking about home alone and hocus pocus and by the time those things came out i would not be caught dead watching what i would consider a kid film um or you know at that point really anything animated outside of of the simpsons um Mm -hmm. You know, so so that's that's why I think I didn't really, um, I didn't really. So so those movies kind of didn't connect with me then, and I've never seen any reason to go back to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I mean, I I have a sister, so as super serious as I was going to, uh, I mean, like driving up, you know, driving past eight mile to go to the art theater to watch the four hour version of Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet in 70 millimeter or 
vertigo um, and, or uh, going to the coffee house dressed in my eight bower flannel to listen to poetry and talk about how that new Sunday's album is just really great, but I liked it back. I liked them back in the late 80s when they were more poetic. <laughs> um, <laughs> or this Nelly Merchant album is such a dirge, man. <laughs> you going to roll fair next week? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 90s Jason was a trip. <laughs> or, um, um, well, so how do you feel? Um, um, since we seem to be going down this road anyway, like I feel like I spent the '90s and the early 2000s trying to carve out like a certain niche for myself and try to um, try to you know put on a certain persona, and uh, none of it lasted. Like now, I feel more like myself you know in my in, you know, basically i guess it started in my mid 30s um or i guess into my 30s uh of just being comfortable with with who i am and mm-hmm. uh really dropping you know i i can't ever completely drop pretension i'm always going to be pretentious and snobby about some things it's just gonna it's just gonna be there forever but it's less precious i guess um mm-hmm. And I care less what people think. And, you know, it's, it's great. It's incredibly, uh, you know, I, 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 I do enjoy things a lot more, I can say, than I used to. Um, it's easier to let, let a lot of things go than it used to be. And how do you, how, how do you feel that turned out for you? Oh, man. I don't know, like, it's weird because in some ways with kids and everything, I feel like I'm more myself, but um, it, I think it's still harder for me to get a handle on who I am because I'm always busy trying to keep up with everything because of writing. Like... um. I think I have a lot more. F- I can't turn off the critical part of my brain. I can't la- allow myself to enjoy something still without thinking a whole crap ton about it. Um, it's it's hard for me to find something that I'm really like. I, it's hard for me even to define something that I really geek out about other than James Bond, Star Wars, and Star Trek. Well, and Tiny you know? Chef. And Tiny Chef. Like, that's the thing. Like, Tiny Chef is, like, just something that I found organically that I passionately enjoy. Um, I... It's just... um. And it's easy to, um, but what's cool is the stuff that I kind of liked growing up, I see how much 
my kids love it and are obsessed with it. So I, I kind of try to like see it how they would see it. So when they like Wallace and Gromit and Land Before Time or they listen to Talking Heads and have absolutely no idea what David Byrne is saying, <laughs> but they just love the rhythm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, uh, it's, I know it's hard. I just never, it's just weird. I just never, it's hard for me to form opinions on things. Cause also, um, I find strong, I, I'm kind of a optimist in the way, in a way too. Um, I sort of take the, um, I try, I feel that people should like things that they like, unless of course it harms or hurts or promotes something that hurts other people. So when, um, so it's perfectly okay that you, um, that you like Tori Spelling, I'm not going to judge you for that. Oh, for fuck's sake, dude. Um, it's, <laughs> um, and it's probably okay that people like Taylor Swift or Kanye or something. Like, I know how I feel about it, but I'm not going to fault you for feeling the way you feel about it. I don't know. Or I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, um, that wasn't exactly what I was I talking about, I, but I think that's interesting it, that, you know, you, you're, you're um, joking about the, the Tory spelling thing, but, but to be honest, that's, that's the kind of thing where um, like there actually are things that I used to, well, so, You know, I I used to be very controlled about what um, I let people know that I was into, um, mm-hmm. because I still am, and I still am. Well, but I, I I'm not anymore though. It's you know, I from a um, and, and I, I'm less judgmental about what other people like too. So, for instance, I would never have previously let you know. Um, anybody know that I, I love the music of Billy Joel um, or, or like uh, that I'm a huge Mellencamp fan um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, any of my, um, you know, like sci-fi geekdom or any of that stuff, uh, you know, never would have um, talked about any of that really. Uh, and then from a standpoint of like, you know, I used to be hypercritical of what other people like too. I'd be like, how, how can, you know, be super judgmental of people, you know, who, who liked Britney Spears or, or like, um, like 90210 or, or any of that kind of, you know, um, any any kind of like actual teen entertainment when I was a teenager, um, it was I, I would have been hypercritical of of people who who liked that and been all you know like holier than thou and snobbish about it. And I'm like you know yeah 
it's just, it's whatever. I'm going to like whatever I like. I don't give a shit about what other people think about that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, I, I, you know, really, as long as whatever you're into makes you happy, and like you said, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, what do I give a shit? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that, um, like, I, I guess... I guess the perfect way to put it is um, I don't want to be um, I, I use the high fidelity analogy. I don't want to keep judging people for what they like and not for what they are like because that isn't a good way to go about life. <laughs> so, well, um, I, I completely agree because I definitely used to be that. And it's harder to probably than it was um, back when in the 90s because there's so much stuff to be into. There are things that people are into that I have never even heard of. And that's okay. Like, I just don't have that type of time to discover it. Like, um, that anime that they play on adult swim at midnight um oh yeah yeah like and i don't have time to find um that cool indie band that ben gibbard discovered when he was in a coffee shop in japan um back in the late aughts i'm making this up um i and even now, like, I'm thinking, like, I don't even buy, like, buying something like a Funko uh, pop is the risk. Because who's to say, like, that cool thing that, like, isn't going to be canceled or um, uncool in a year? Um, you sure. know? Yeah. Um, and I was even thinking, too, like going back to my high fidelity analogy, um, there was a really good interview with Cusack, uh, John Cusack on the New York times. Oh yeah. I read that. Yeah. Like when he just says that, uh, like, um, how people have changed their view of Rob. Um, like, and he knew he was a dick. (laughs) Um, but, like he realized like that's not like that's not a way to live your life, man. Like he's I just don't wanna be I don't wanna to continue to be Rob in five years, you know. Well and the thing is that there are people who are gonna stay that, but I think that I don't know. I, I, I think that hopefully the goal is that you grow out of that, that that's a phase, you know. I think the internet makes that worse, you know, like the people, like the people who I, um, the people on Twitter, I, I, I read Twitter and you think like people have these strong opinions on which season of the office they like or how they feel about, um, this song or this album or, um, 
I don't have like it's I'm not going to change someone's mind <laughs> um, on Twitter about how like about the song. It's not a place for constructive conversations about art. Um, no, it's not. And I just feel like just even stating your opinion invites someone with a differing opinion to tell you that you're wrong. And I'm like, I'm not wrong, dude. But as the dude says, that's just your opinion, man. Um, yeah. Like you and I will joke um, about which Springsteen album is the best. It's Nebraska. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and you're absolutely correct. <laughs> um, and we'll get into like, but fun second best, yeah, we'll get in fun debates about um, Western Stars. How we feel about? I like the soundtrack, the movie, the songs from the movie that I did on the album. Um, you know, stuff like that. But I'm not. Like I'm not prepared to argue with some like someone half my age about how good Home Alone is or Hocus Pocus because I just sound like the old. That's the other thing. I'm in my 40s, so I sound like the old man yelling at the cloud. I am Grandpa Simpson. You know what? I've owned that though. I'm frequently going to sound like the old man yelling at the cloud. I don't care. It's fine. I I can I can own that. Um. I. But I, I also, you know, I'm never going to get, I, at least I hope I never get tired of, of, of getting excited about music and film and books and, you know, th- these things, these things, you know, keep me going. Even mm-hmm. in, uh, even in a, a totally shit year, I can get excited about, you know, that I've got a new Springsteen album coming out, a new Elvis Costello coming out, a new Jeff Tweedy coming out, you know, all, mm-hmm. all coming out within the span of the same weeks later this year. It's, you know, that kind of thing. I need that stuff. And mm-hmm. I like being enthusiastic about it. And to me, that's all that I use social media for is just, you know, other than <laughs> it's, it's, it's an outlet for my sense of humor Mm-hmm. and quips and for me to geek out about shit and mm-hmm. i you know i i don't care whether or not people like it necessarily i guess or agree with me mm-hmm. um i don't know i i i so i will always geek out about bowie i will always geek out about bond i will always geek out about david byrne um, like, and Springsteen, and I just, and, um, I get excited too. Like, I, but I also want to keep, like, an open mind about what's, what else is going on, you know, in the world. And I want to listen to, like, other voices. Um, I think, um, like I'm like you, I, 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 I know, maybe I wasn't, maybe I wasn't, uh, I did go to a Billy Joel concert. I, 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 still, I, I, I was probably about 
Billy Joel, and I was proud about liking Mellencamp because in Detroit they still played it on the radio, <laughs> um, and um, it was funny to me that I liked Duran Duran. For I never saw plumbing Duran Duran even, and then when they came back in the mid '90s, it was like, oh man, like it was fun to be ahead of the curve for once. Um, I, I just, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, well, so I, that's what, you but, know, we, we kind of got off on the pop culture version of this, but yeah. what I was curious about is you as a person, are you now mm-hmm. more comfortable with yourself in your own skin than you were in your twenties? No, I'm still not. I'm never well, going to Why be. do you think that is? Um, it's a lot of it is just esteem issues. I, you know, I think I've always wanted to be, I've, I, I still am that kid in high school that everyone thought was weird. I'm always going to see myself that way. Um, so, um, and the more I've moved around and lost touch with the people that didn't make me feel that way, the more inadequate I feel. Hmm. Uh, so, cause I've, I've moved around a lot. People in Phoenix have only known me for probably no more than seven years. Um, and the people who've known me the longest, I don't see anymore because they live in Detroit. Um, and we all have kids and spouses and lives and, you know, um, so uh, it's, I still constantly have to, I still feel like I'm constantly looking for approval from people. Um, and it makes me insecure, uh, constantly. So, um, yeah. And, um, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, um, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. Like, I'm, like, it's when I go to places, when I went to, last year I went to Milwaukee um, before I got the culture editor job because Kristen had conference. And, um, I felt more confident there than I did than I ever have in Phoenix because a I know where everything is. Um, people who've known me the longest, some of the people who've known me the longest, I got to see and talk and catch up with. Um, yeah, it's just it's something that I knew. 
I was more confident about because I knew more about it. I, it, it's still, I'm still finding my footing here. Um, and probably by the time I do <laughs> uh, find my footing, um, I'll uh, end up moving again. <laughs> That's the way it seems to go. <laughs> you know? um, or the whirlwind. <laughs> to bring it back to the beginning. Yeah. Well, you know, it it seems like <laughs> we, we started out in a dark place, we tried to pull out of it, and we came back down in a dark place. Um, I'm not trying to be dark, though. Like... Um, I'm being, um, like I have some really good friends here, present company included. Um, I really thought you were going to say excluded. I'd be like, Oh man, <laughs> really? Oh. <laughs> no. And I've been able to find like my tribe here, you know, some, you know, I, I've not, my, you know, I've been able to settle down here, but, and there are some people here who I really love. Um, and, but at the same time, like, I, like, it's funny, just as I was getting to know, like, just as I was getting to know my job and get to know the community and the easy community a little bit more then I got laid off. Um, and it doesn't mean I have to stop, but, um, then like COVID happens and like, I don't know, just, it makes you, I guess, I'm still, I'm still looking for cheers, I'm still looking for a gang, you know, to hang with, to, and I, other than, like, there's you and Tyler, and, you know, but, it's just, it's hard, plus I'm a grown-ass man with kids and responsibilities, (laughs) you know? Yeah, there's that. I don't know. It's interesting. So, uh, you know, it, did did you, you know, you were in Milwaukee and you were in Detroit. How many years in in each were you? Uh, twenty years in Detroit, about eight to ten years in Milwaukee, and then I lived in Bloomington, Illinois, for about a decade. Um, well, so. There's, but those are pretty good chunks of time, and mm-hmm. uh, growing up, um, I moved around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I you know I went to uh, you know kindergarten and first grade in one place, then second grade in another, and th- third grade in another. And, um, you know, there was one point, I think I went to two different schools in fourth grade. Um, and then, you know, we moved out to Arizona when I was 10, uh, -hmm. and then went, uh, you know, and then in high school, I changed high schools in junior year. So (laughs) it's, uh, you know, I, I... I am very skeptical of uh of security. Yeah. Uh you know of of being in any 
you know, settling down and being in any one place for too long. I, you know, it, 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 as soon as I start to get comfortable, I start to get concerned. Um, it's, uh, wait for the other shoe to drop, right? Exactly. Yeah. Been there. I still am. (laughs) No, it's weird. I don't know. Anyway. But like to, um, to your point, too, the only time I've ever felt, I think the only time in my life I've ever felt like truly secure, confident in who I am, um, well, there's been a couple of times, but like my senior year of high school, so the year before my senior year of high school, I had jaw surgery um, because I had a massive overbite. And they had a wire in my jaw shut. And I drink nothing but solid liquids all summer. So I come back my senior year. I am skinny. <laughs> my face is cleared up. Um, and um, I magically that year, I, oh, and that's when I knew I wanted to be a film student. So for half the day, I would go, I would leave my high school, go to another school, and learn what I wanted to do. Plus, I had a pretty kick-ass job at a movie theater, at the movie theater. Um, So I was doing what I loved. Um, I was confident in my looks. Um, And a couple ladies thought I was pretty hot. Uh, You know, still didn't date anybody, but... uh, uh, it was so my senior high school was like great, and then I graduated, met, and made friends with like everyone. People thought I was like people like that person, the film nerd who loves the Cure, <laughs> um, and Mellencamp, and the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I'm like, like I didn't have to put any effort in defining my tribe um, after I graduated high school. And then, like, just as I started feeling secure and, like, all that, my parents tell me, oh, we're going to move. Do you want to stay here or do you want to go with us? Well, I had no money to stay. I was in college. <laughs> so I guess I'm going with you. Um, and then I had to start all over again. So I I just feels like I, I mean, there's, so after, um, it's funny. I was talking to a, it was funny. I was talking to a, um, lead singer of a very big band here in Phoenix who shall remain nameless, but check out my interview in the November issue of Phoenix magazine. (laughs) Um, I asked said person why he had resisted the temptation to leave Phoenix. And he said, well, because it would take me five years to find what I could do in New York. You know, if I lived in New York, it would take me five years to find the person who could do what something I want to do in New York when Phoenix, I know who can do this for me? Like, 
if I wanted to start my tour at the Crescent Ballroom or have an impromptu show at the Rebel Lounge, I could do that. You know, he, he knows who to call. Um, and I'm not at that level yet where I can call someone, uh, you know, and, uh, and I'm already, so it makes me insecure about that. And having kids always makes you scared, <laughs> um, on a constant basis. Uh, so yeah. Um, I, even today, um, my anxiety levels went up because this woman was parked in front of my driveway for 10 minutes doing nothing. And I'm like, what are you doing? So I finally like got out of my house to like, you've been here for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, can I help you or something? <laughs> You're blocking my driveway. <laughs> it's like, I'm just texting. I don't want to text and drive. But I'm like, okay. Cause it's kind of weird. <laughs> Well, but hey, at least they weren't texting and driving. So, yeah, I but like, and they were not parked anywhere other than like literally in front of my driveway. That's an odd place I to stop. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a place to stop. Like, yeah, I understand yeah. I'm like on the corner of the street, but like, people who are driving around you, like, what's what's the deal? Like, park on. On the curb, not in front of my house, where you can look in my window and see my kids. I don't know. Probably too much information, but yeah, you got deep, man. <laughs> we did. We went. We went deep. Did you <laughs> Did you watch the uh, the the uh, the the Eugene Merman documentary? No, but I've been watching The Boys. Oh, what do you um, think? Um, we're two episodes into the first season. I really like that first episode. Second episode was still pretty high quality. Um, it's just slowing down a bit. Um, it's um, it's I know, sort of like The Watchmen. It's you know, but without all the. Uh, it's a watchman that doesn't take itself as seriously, but it has a lot to say, I think. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, I'm interested um, to hear what you think is, as you, as you keep going. Um, Cause that show, that show really takes off. There are not, there are not very many uh, slow points in it. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I haven't, I, I, so far I have a really good, um, opinion of it so far. I I've heard from people that the second season isn't is as good as the first, but I don't think that has anything to do with what you said last week. Um, with people, uh, oh, purposely giving it bad reviews. Yeah. yeah, I think I think some people are. Um, I am I am not trying to read too much about it. Um. It is um, uh, Dougie. The two things that strike me the most um, is Dougie is the played by uh, Jack Quaid, who uh-huh. is um, 
the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Yeah. And he looks like his mom <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, and the second thing that strikes me is Simon Pegg's American accent. <laughs> um, it's quite, um, it's weird to hear him uh, use an American accent. Um, so I, well, he should just be British all the time. You know, he's, <laughs> um, it's been a while since I've seen the first season. So maybe I should go back and, and rewatch that. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm all caught up. I, I, I watched the first season as it uh, when it first came out and then, um, I'm all caught up with the second season and the last episode of the second season, whew, uh, it, 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 uh, it's, it's pretty killer. Um, have you watched, um, maybe, oh, maybe this isn't the thing to end on, but have you been watching the social problem? Uh, you know what? I need to watch that. Okay. Um, but I was going to mention, so if you, I'm, I'm, I haven't read the boys, the comic, but uh-huh. Garth Ennis, um, like the, or who, I know he wrote it, but whoever did the artwork of that, if you like search and find some panels on it, the it's, and I believe it's the character that, um, that, um, shoot, why can I not remember his name right now? Um, who played Dread and and McCoy and oh, Carl Urban? Carl Urban, thank you. Um, I'm pretty sure that he plays the the character in the show, um, but the character in the comic book looks like Simon Pegg. Oh, really? Yeah, and and it's uh, a definite like they knew what they were doing. They they drew him to look like Simon Pegg. Okay. <laughs> um. But um, I know I need to see the social problem. You know, it doesn't tell you anything new, but it's it the 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 important like about what like is it, I assume that you as a person know that um, social media is bad. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is from I've watched most of it. And it is weird to hear it from the people who invented it um, and give very strong evidence of why. And that obviously to every, you know, social media, you are the product. You are not the customer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So um, it's... Definitely has an impact, but I don't think you'd learn anything that you don't know already. I, um, I did enjoy it, though. if not for um, um, oh, uh, but he plays Pete in um, Mad Men. Uh, Vincent Carthizer. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He um, he plays like like he's the um, he's the guy who. He's the guy behind the current at Facebook who tries to get you the dopamine hit that shows how Facebook and huh. Twitter are manipulating you um, into 
keeping you on there as long as possible. Um, it's part of this, like, you have the experts and you have, like, this dramatic portion of this, fam- of this dysfunctional family who can't not be on their phones. Um, and uh, it's interesting to see him, like, portray, like, this non-existent character. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, boys, but to bring it back, the boys, I, I, I'm going to probably watch episode three here in a minute. Cool. We'll, the- we'll wrap it up so you can get to that. But I wanted to mention, so <laughs> I, I, I did rewatch uh, Schizopolis, which I yes. hadn't seen for a long time. <laughs> And you know what? That's probably it's it's definitely in the running for my favorite Soderbergh film. I think I still like Sex Lies and Videotape more, um, but you know, it's I, and I know that he's done films that have been more you know I don't know critically acclaimed since. But it's interesting to watch it now. It, it was you know released just about twenty five years ago, and. It's interesting, like, there are so many things that definitely can be linked back to that film that must have been influenced by that film. And, you know, this was this was years before Paul Thomas Anderson did The Master, and it's definitely taking some interesting shots at, uh, at, at an L. Ron Hubbard type. I mean, definitely the guy in that, in Schizopolis is supposed to uh, have written something that's uh, Dianetics like, you know? Um, So it's, it's a really, I think that, you know, despite the fact that there are some technology differences um, that it still holds up really, really well. And I think it may actually be more prescient now than it was when it came out. I need to revisit that one. That one I caught literally like late night on IFC back when IFC showed independent films and not po- not gave any podcaster <laughs> a TV show. Um, comedy bang bang my ass. <laughs> hey, I liked yeah. comedy bang bang. I know it's. <laughs> Come on, Reggie um, Watts. Come on. I know, I know. I'm I'm being sarcastic. I enjoy um but, but I, um, I hear what you're saying. It's like it's like griping yeah. about when AMC used to show movies. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Um but um yeah, I just was it's definitely like it's more experimental than anything Soderbergh's ever done. This is the guy who created a movie on us, who filmed a movie, a commercial film on his iPhone, um, who made a movie on an app, um, who like improvised a movie in three days with a porn star. Um, It's something so bold about it. This is a guy who filmed Spalding Gray doing a monologue and made one of the most best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just something about, I really need to revisit that movie. Where did you find it? Was it 
It was on uh, HBO, uh, on my HBO Max uh, app thing. I um, I can tell like for it's coming. The time's coming where I'm going. Well, are they doing free trials still? Not they're doing reduced months. Oh, are they? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm 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 paying for it, but yeah. But you got all that podcasting network money, so that's <laughs> I, I got the I got the no kids. That's what I got. <laughs> oh. um, but uh, no, um, I need to watch that. I haven't. I didn't watch that again. I still haven't watched. Um, and I, I'm kicking myself for listening to the the Tony Collette Marin interview in its entirety. Oh, I still haven't. Have you not seen? I'm thinking of ending things. I have not seen it yet. Oh man. Okay. So, so I'm pretty sure Marin ruined something for me. Uh, no, he didn't. I've I've seen it and I don't think he did. Okay. Um. No. Because I mean, really, you know, he points out a couple of times during that talk that that it's not really possible to ruin that movie. And he's, he's kind of right. Um, yeah. I mean, he does talk about a particular scene, but it, having seen it, knowing that people who haven't seen it uh, might be listening, it's, not a, it's really not a spoiler. Okay. Um, cool. At least okay. I don't think. But, and I don't know that... that I necessarily agree with with any of the things that Tony Collette was saying about it. I, I think that it's really, and Kaufman is really good at this, obviously, uh, about leaving a movie that really is completely open to interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of is what you want it to be. And mm-hmm. with all of that, there are just incredible performances, and it's a beautiful film. Um and and you know there it's it's uh, and I did I did go watch a woman under the influence after that yeah um and that was actually you know I I, I like Cassavetti's and I've seen a lot of his films but I I hadn't seen that one um, Cassavetti's is a hard it, that's I I I've seen Cassavetti's films before and. They're, I I admire them, but they're hard to get into. Well, they they, they are, are, and and this is a particularly difficult one to watch. Yeah, I, but Jenna Rollins and 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 Peter Falk are are brilliant in it. They they're mm-hmm. both very very difficult characters, and it's another one of those films where really nobody is likable. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's also it's again it's it's it, it, the brilliant performances, and you know, I there's there's not really anything else like it. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I, I'm. I mean, would you say though? Um, I mean, would you say though that? compared to like his other films that other people have directed, like Ian John Malkovich said something, you can interpret it maybe one or two different ways, but it's pretty much about, 
like this existentialism. It's about it goes back to like knowing who we are, you know. Well, it's not like this is a Seinfeld episode. I don't think it's about nothing. Um, Right. It's it's definitely about something, but I think that that something uh, can be interpreted in in many different ways, and I don't know that any of them would be wrong. Um, It's it's also very much, I think, about like a state of mind. It's it's very much okay. you know. It's it, it it definitely you know we'll have to talk about it after you see it because I I definitely think that there is. But um, with as much space as there is, and as much mm-hmm. time is given to aesthetic and some you know kind of weird choices, it definitely evokes an emotional response. Um, okay in a way that I think something that's done purely as a philosophical exercise does not. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We're like, I guess, I, I guess my question was like, so I'm kind of with Marin as far as, um, I'm going to mispronounce it. It's a New York. Oh, so um, Schenectady. Schenectady, New York. Uh, that one I admired, but I, there's so much in it that I just like, what was I supposed to gab, you know, like wants to scout this. And whereas like the ones that Kaufman has written that other people have directed, your John Malkovich's, your spotless minds, your, um, adaptation, adaptations feel like at least whoever's directing points it in a direction that I can, um, that I can go into, and I, no matter what, with the exception of Schenectady, um, I have like strong emotional responses. Um, have you seen Anomalisa? I haven't. Um, that one. I remember that one going to see it and then on the way home 20 minutes later, just breaking down and crying Um, because it's such, it hit me like what that movie is about Um, and it's such an intensely personal film um, (laughs) that um, yeah, that one broke me. (laughs) Um, Whereas I like, but he directed that one, but it's got puppets in it. (laughs) (laughs) So this, this, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this is going to do to you, but I'm curious to find out. I'm afraid to watch it. Like I keep thinking like tomorrow I'm going to watch it. I'm like, no, I'm not really, not really in the right mind frame for this one. I I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. Um, but I do think you should watch it. And it's probably one that I need to watch again, too. It's definitely one of those films um, that I, I think bears repeated watches because there's because there is just so much that happens in it. And yet there are times when there's so little, too. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know. It's just I I, I loved it. I I fall on the side of it's definitely a difficult movie, but I think that um, it's difficult in a good way, and that it's it's thought provoking. It's uh it's it's you know emotionally provoking, uh and it's beautiful to look at, and um just again you know some some seriously stunning performances. Uh, Jesse Plemons is amazing in it. Yes, he is. He's amazing in everything. No, I don't know. Including why Game be... Night. Oh my gosh, Game Night. <laughs> Let's end on Game Night. Let's end. Let's end on the greatness that is Game Night. I love that movie. I was so surprised by that movie. I had like I zero expectations going into it, and I came out just fucking loving it. Oh, Game Night is so. It's so brilliant. I just, it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't. But it is. <laughs> like the dog with the finger. <laughs> uh. It's like it's just not like the move, the concept of game night for those of you who are not familiar is like um it's like a murder mystery but like or what it's like a they go together for a game night but then they think it's like it's sort of like well, the it, game it, it blurs it blurs the lines between the game and real yeah. life and yeah. what what's the game and what's real life they they don't know until it's too late um it's Michael Douglas in the game yeah, that but funny, funny as and, fucking hell. Yeah, so good. But like, it can't work. It, it you know, it, it's like this is something that like would have would have starred um, Tim Robbins and well, it's, it's um, like Clue. Yeah, like yeah. Well, like Clue, but that's the thing is like I love Clue, but Clue. There are parts of Clue that are dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or Murder by Death. Have you like, seen that one? Oh, yeah. I've seen Murder by Death. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I guess if I have a feeling this were done, say, like, in, like, the late 90s, it would be something that stars um, Tim Robbins and um, uh, Cameron Diaz. Like, just this poorly executed like we tried but nah <laughs> like yeah like, i don't know it's something about this just something about it is just like they went all out and they succeeded like they they got so behind the concept and i thought let's get jesse Plemons. let's get you know these playing people and I, I would actually argue that it's it's more successful at what it's trying to do than Knives Out. And oh, yeah. I, I love Knives Out, but I, I think that this it's of the same ilk and it's uh it's it's more fun. Mm. Yeah, I, I I I agree. Um there are in Knives Out there as fun as Knives Out is, and I love Knives Out. There are aspects of that plot that don't fly, but mm-hmm. you go with it. Right. 
because you're having too much fun um, seeing Chris Evans and Jamie Lee Curse go at right, um, <laughs> um, and Daniel Craig doing his best Kentucky Colonel his, Sanders act. His his foghorn leghorn. I, I say I say. <laughs> looking for the donut, but not focusing on the donut, but not the hole, but maybe the donut is the hole. I say I say I say I say. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what we got here? <laughs> it's a failure to communicate. <laughs> um, um, anyway. Yeah, that um, makes me want to watch Game Night again. Yeah, I, I actually really, um, I may skip the ball, skip watching the boys and just watch Game Night instead. <laughs> um, because um, I've seen, yeah, because it's just so brilliant and so that's our recommendation of the week. Go watch Game Night. Go watch Game Night. <laughs> there we go. If you've already seen it, watch it. Watch again. it again. Watch it again. But yeah, I think I think that's a good place to end it. Let's let's end it on yeah. that note. And uh, as as we've been saying, make sure to get out and vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. Uh, deadline for registering in in Arizona is October fifth. I actually just got my uh, my what's on the ballot uh, booklet in the mail the other day. I got um, mine today. So, so yeah, make sure you're doing the important stuff. Mask the fuck up. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, take it sleazy, chili babies. Should we, hey, should we do masks? Should, should we, should we masks? do what the fork masks? Is that, <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I don't know. Maybe we can look into it. We can look into it. I don't know. Don't write us about if you want what the fork masks. Yeah. What would you have? Are you trying to use reverse psychology now? (laughs) Yeah. Don't write us about what the fork masks. (laughs) Don't hit us up on Twitter at what the fork pod. Don't email us at what the fork pod at (laughs) gmail.com. And definitely don't hit us up on Twitter at LTD underscore engagement. Uh, for Jared or Jason E. Kyle, K-E-I-L, for me about what you would want on a what the fork mask because it's probably never going to happen. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to have drop the underscore like it's hot t-shirts. <laughs> we're not going to have um, mask the fuck up chili babies as t-shirts. Um or whatever other clever sayings that we say here, <laughs> it's just not going to happen because no one cares. <laughs> so, right. so don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll see if it. the reverse psychology thing works. All right. So maybe by then we just, by, by this, don't mask the fuck up, chili babies. <laughs> don't vote. <laughs> no, don't, you, you must vote. Get out there and do it. And uh, and 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 find your unfiltered joy. <laughs> yes, find your tiny chef. <laughs> find your tiny <laughs> chef. All right, man. Oh. Do you want to listen to him though? Before we. Sure, go he for says, it. He says things. Okay, I love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
This has been a Hoon Waddle production. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out one of our other fine podcasts available from hootandwaddle.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any number of podcast apps. If you'd like to support Hoot and Waddle and get access to an exclusive member-only podcast, receive discounts on merch, and more, go to patreon.com forward slash Hoot and Waddle. Thank you.